Hey everyone, welcome back to the 100% Wild Podcast. I'm Tim Chelswick, and across the table from me, one Mr. Matt Drury. Hello, hello. How are you? I'm good. I'm excited. We got a really cool guest today, one of our best friends in the industry, uh, Travis T-Bone Turner. He's been, of course, with uh, Bone Collector for the, mm-hmm. the, the past few years, and then before that, of, of course, was always there, involved with Realtree from about 1997 uh, on and on from, from then on. So they got a longstanding partnership, yeah. and uh, of course, everybody knows him as the funny man on, on Bone Collector, <laughs> and one heck of an archer. More, Which is- more praise yeah more importantly one heck of an archer what's up buddy how are you hey guys how are y'all doing appreciate y'all having me on today good thanks man yeah it's it's great to have you on we 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 got some some really interesting stuff to talk about today we'll get to our question of the day in just a second but what have you been up to recently we know you 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 run pretty hard and are always on the move yeah um you know i we we use the terminology of you got to make hay while it's sunshine and then uh you know everybody thinks that uh when they see that you you know, hunt for a living or you're on a show that you're just busy basically during the fall. But uh, as you guys know, too, you know, this is a 12 month a year. Um, you, you, you got something going on 12 months out of the year. In the first part of the year, you're always doing uh, trade shows and then it turns over to consumer shows. And then I'm fortunate enough to be the spokesperson for Whitetails Unlimited. So I speak at a lot of banquets as well as, you know, expos and and things like that. And then we're having to do uh, commercials for partners and, and something. So something every week, it seems like we're on a plane or in the truck headed somewhere to to um, uh, satisfy a partner or go to an appearance, shake hands with all the folks out there. Uh, actually, immediately right now, we've been going to uh, Texas for the Texas Trophy Hunter shows. Mm-hmm. Me and Waddell actually fly out tomorrow morning and uh, heading to Dallas. So I, recently, I, you know, of course, we all follow each other on social media, and I, I saw that you were in Missouri and, uh, you know, kind of near some of our stomping grounds. So did you just lease a new piece there or buy a new piece, or what, what's going on there in Missouri? Yeah, actually, uh, me and a partner, um, we bought a piece right there on the Iowa border in uh, Putnam County. So, um, yeah, it, it was a 400-acre piece, and kind of bought it sight unseen. I haven't bought too many pieces of property like that. I'm just a humble old redneck. Never thought I'd get to buy a piece out of state. And, uh, to it, that was a two handed check having to write to that one. So <laughs> I, I really had to, to talk the wife into that, but yeah, I bought it sight unseen, basically just studied maps and took a lot of key people's advice. And, uh, uh, when I got there, we spent about three days up there scouting, putting out cameras and stuff. And, and it is every bit twice as good as what I had thought or hope so we're really excited about this season and and seasons to come so in a scenario like that because we've actually done a couple podcasts about that type of topic Mm -hmm. where not necessarily that you went and bought a new piece or or, but you know out-of-state hunters that don't get to their piece very often and so kind of what's your order of operations you know you said you were studying the maps you know what to you what's the most important thing that you're looking for when you you know before you head into the property for the first time yeah, stu- studying maps is key. I mean, you can do so much homework uh, beforehand. And um, I mean, it's not just one particular thing. One, water source. Uh, two, bedding. Uh, with all the agriculture that's in Iowa and Missouri and Kansas area and everything, and there's so many open areas, we concentrated on making sure we had plenty of bedding, just thick. And it looks like we've got probably uh, within a, about a four or five mile radius, uh, we've got the most bedding and thick woods and stuff like that. So that was key. You know, two thirds of the property is just thick bedded woods. And then we got about 150 acres that's uh, in agriculture. And then it's got a creek or um, it's basically a small river uh, running on the backside of it. So 
all those key features, you know, you're just going down a checklist of, you know, pros and cons and, uh, you know, you're trying to get as many in the pro category as possible. So, uh, yeah, yeah. And, and it's, and it's worked that way. And then if you don't have those things, then you just have to, to try to, uh, once you do get feet on the ground, try to, uh, introduce more of those things for you, sure. for your property. So Georgia to Missouri is no small trip. How frequently do you think you'll be able to get up and hunt that? Um, well, I, I don't know. Um, I, I know at least two times throughout the season. Uh, usually what we end up doing is because, um, you know, we don't live in the Midwest. We usually make a Midwest run, leave out around October 20th, 25th. Mm-hmm. And then we try to bust about three to four States between then and Thanksgiving. So we basically bounce around, um, uh, you know, we, we come up with a plan of attack and then go to certain States. I know a lot of people in the industry try to just go back and forth. Hey, it's hot here. It's not there, but we stick to our guns. Meaning like if it's, uh, we're going to spend seven days here, we're going to spend seven days there. Good, bad, or otherwise, we're going to try to hunt there because otherwise you end up chasing your tail just as soon as you leave one state, it turns on hot the day you left. So, uh, I have seen that happen to dad quite a few times going from, yeah. you know, because he'll just bounce from Missouri, Illinois, and Iowa kind of around those three and it, mostly Missouri and Illinois. And it, it seems like a lot of, more times than not, you try to time it, but you either catch the tail end or you're you know what i mean like whack-a-mole yeah. yeah it just sometimes it could do more damage than good and you don't know what you're missing on your other spot so it's probably yeah. not a bad strategy obviously it's been it's been good to you guys yeah well and and fortunately our um our careers were never built on killing 180 so if it's a if it's a mature 130 uh we always say uh um First come, first serve. So <laughs> maybe I need to be a bone collector because I'm not working out as a jury. Because <laughs> uh, um, uh, yeah, we we're looking for broadside more so than anything. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, I like that. That's a that's a good strategy. So how do you balance how do you balance that all that running around with you know maintaining the archery shop and the family and all that? I mean, you got a lot going on. Yeah, actually, I, I uh, sold my archery shop some years ago. Um, okay. It looks like I'm in an archery shop because we filmed so many uh, tips and stuff. This is in my, in my basement, and I still set up probably 40 or 50 bows a year wow. for uh, celebrities, people in the industry, and friends and stuff like that. Not for a retail or not for money. Just I realized I, I love archery that much, and I love tinkering, and I call this basically my Labrador, laboratory slash dojo. So. <laughs> You know, my wife said, you sold your store in 2007. Why do we got a shop in our basement? I said, honey, if I dip septic tanks for a living, I'm still going to have an archery shop in my basement <laughs> yeah. just because I love it so much, you know. So um, I'm always going to do this. And, and, and working on people's bows is what got me into this industry. And archery has been so good to me. I'll, I'll do this till I can't turn a wrench again. It, you know, that brings up a good a good topic. So, you know, is, is there a common mistake that you see most mm-hmm. archers uh, what, you know, coming through your shop or through the years, is there like one common mistake that you see a lot of guys doing that, that could really turn around their, their accuracy or their shooting? Yeah. Um, I, I guess if you just had to pick one, there's several of them, but most pe- people shoot too long a draw length. Um, they, I, I don't know whether it's just, uh, trying to get comfortable or, or, you know, locking in behind their ear or behind their neck or just a little bit too long of an anchor point. But too long of a draw length causes problem when you get big bulky clothing on, when you're in a tree stand, or you know people may be trying to shoot too long of a draw length because of trying to achieve more speed. Yeah. Um, I think people would be more proficient and uh, and and more accurate if they would shorten their draw length up just a little bit, or make sure you go to a, a trusted pro shop and get your draw length set correctly, and make sure that you're pulling the appropriate weight. Sometimes people pull a little bit too much weight, and they're having to 
walk that thing around up in the tree stand and it, it causes some problems. You don't want to be aiming for squirrels all up in the air <laughs> when you're trying to pull back on that deer. Well, it, it's funny because you mentioned draw length and my dad was about the same height as I am. So I'm about 5'10 and some change. And and I, I pulled out his, he shot an old golden eagle wood limb uh, compound bow and his draw length was 31 inches. And, um, and he, that was back in the, in the days of overdraw and, and I just, there's no way I could shoot that bow now, but that was, that used to be the, the tradition was to come back to about your earlobe. <laughs> it was like way back. Like I could scratch the back of my head. I was like, dad, you're the same, but, but they were shooting overdraws, which was a, just a totally different time in, uh, in archery. Interesting. So, so yeah. T bone, before we get to the question of the day, last, last question for you, kind of the random questions. You've been around the industry a long time and in those, you know, a couple, two decades, what, you know, what do you think have been, has been like the most, um, maybe the most, uh, impactful change mm. to, you know, to our industry, whether it's whatever, what, whether it's trail cameras or, or, you know, technology or what, what do you think it is? Several, several different things. I mean, if we're talking technology, I think the use of a laser rangefinder in archery has been a huge yeah innovation um sometimes i'd rather forget my bow is forget my rangefinder. i feel lost without it up there so it's it's that's a very handy tool and has killed a lot more critters because of knowing the exact yardage um another thing is trail cameras um man so many people i mean it is it it it's growing by leaps and bounds even i mean it has for the last 15 years but each year there's more innovation more innovation and we live by our trail cameras. I mean, they're doing so much scouting and so much hunting for us. So as far as innovativeness and, and of course, the archery industry, you know, with the, you know, expandable broadheads, rear deploying broadheads, those are fantastic so that you keep your accuracy out to a long ways. Uh, the, the, the bows are, are really efficient. I keep scratching my head every year thinking, man, what else are they going to do? Yeah. But, you know, somehow, some way the bows are getting a little quieter, a little faster, a little easier to shoot. So, uh, you know, hats off to all the engineers on all the bow manufacturers because they're doing such a fantastic job of upping the game each year. So, uh, and then social media, uh, social media has, has played a huge platform in the last five to 10 years because now everybody has their own platform and not just being on the outdoor channel or sportsman's channel or what have you, you, uh, you know, you can celebrate your own hunts through YouTube and social media and, uh, you know, gain a little traction, not not just in the hunting industry, but the, the world all over. Digital media seems to be the the wave of the future. So those those things right there, I'm sure we could name a yeah. few more, but all of those are hugely impactful for our industry. Totally agree. And so, that notion of sharing hunts on YouTube is a great segue into our Cabela's question of the day. And it comes from Jay Smith. Hi, this is Jace from St. Peter's, Missouri. My question for you is, how many times have you made a fatal mistake uh, trying to get good footage of, uh, of a deer coming in or getting the B-roll or uh, coordinating with your cameraman um, that's just totally screwed up the entire hunt? Well, T-Bone, uh, you've been filming for a long time. I've never actually hunted without a camera guy in my entire life. Wow. So, you know, we've, we've got a lot of experience here with this topic. <laughs> what, what do you think? You got, you got a good story to share with us? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I'm, I'm definitely not going to throw my camera guy under the bus. I mean, that'd be real easy to do. But, I mean, it is a teamwork uh, thing. And it's mm -hmm. very enjoyable hunting with somebody in the tree stand. But I can tell you this, and Matt and, you know, all the folks at Drury's can attest to this, that that camera has saved a lot of deer's lives just because 
of getting on the same page and, uh, you know, daylight, you know, because prime time for these deer are early in the morning, first light or late in the evening, last light. And, you know, the cameras just can't go quite as long as what we can actually shoot. So, you know, when the cameraman, I've, you know, you got a 160 out there and the cameraman says, oh, man, I'm out of light. Better not shoot it. I'm like, are you kidding me? I mean, <laughs> figure off. it out. <laughs> yeah. So it's not it's not his fault, but it's it, it's just a. Uh, it's just the way it goes. But I do, if, if y'all got a second, I got a funny yeah. story actually um, that was a, a camera that kind of, it ruined the hunt. And it, it wasn't necessarily the cameraman's fault. It was more uh, nature's calling. So we're, he's it, a Missouri guy too. I'm not going to say his name, Stephen Boulware. But uh, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> he was filming we'll in the first year out. of Bone He lives not far Kansas. from here actually. Really? Yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. Yep. So, uh, we're in the stand in Kansas. This is in 2007 or 2008. First time in Kansas, and I'm burning up this CRP. It's 8:30 in the morning, and uh, you know it's prime time, and I'm so excited, just waiting for a deer to pop up, just any minute. I'm on pins and needles. He's on pins and needles. Taps me on the shoulder, and he goes, "Hey, hey, T-bone." He goes, "Dude, I gotta go." And uh, I knew what that meant. I'm like, "Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, you know how it is when you feel that pain in the morning. You just bite that bottom lip and push on till 10:30 or 11, mm -hmm. and then." You get back to camp and you, you kill that grizz then. Well, and I said, yeah, man. I said, uh, yeah, I, I got to go too, man. I just hang in there. So I turn back around and I'm hunting. And he about 10 minutes later, he taps me on the shoulder and I look up at him and I can see white all the way around his eyeball. And I'm like, well, we're at DEFCON 1 now. He goes, dude, I, I got to go. So I was like, well, dang. I said, okay. So I'm taking off my safety vest and hanging my bow up, thinking the way it's got to work is the cameraman's above us. I got to climb down, let him come past me. He come down. I figure he's gonna go over into the bushes and kill the grizz. And this morning's kind of shot. And he says, uh, you know, I'm halfway getting my safety vest off. And he says, uh, dude, he goes, you, you you don't understand. I can't move. And I'm like, I'm not the best at physics, but I know how gravity works. And if you're not getting down and you gotta go, this is gonna get nasty if you got a shotgun down through the woods. <laughs> so I slide over to the edge of the stand. I'm over at the edge of the stand, and he said, man, if you'll just stay over there, I think I no can do this. Way. And camera guys have got all kinds of stuff with him. He's digging into his fanny pack, and he pulls out this one-gallon Ziploc bag, and he says, man, I think I can do it. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe this is going to happen. I, I hope you can do it for sure. So yeah. this was, this was you know, 10 or 12 years ago when, you know, cameras on cell phones were just really getting going, and I'm facing out in this CRP and I'm hearing zippers go down and buttons unpop. And I'm like, I can't believe this is happening. I said, I'm capturing this moment. So I, I spin <laughs> around and I take a picture of the whole thing happening. And, uh, anyway, I'm proud to say that every morsel made it into that Ziploc bag. <laughs> and, and he is one talented dude as far as that goes. But nonetheless, <laughs> we, we've got us a memory uh, that could have been a lot worse, but that morning was shot. <laughs> I'm both impressed and horrified at the yeah. same time. <laughs> yeah. That's a feat. Well, Good, to nice. this day, his nickname, his initials are, you know, Stephen Bulwer would be SB, so we call him S-Bag. Yeah, <laughs> well, no I'm Guess what the first S is. <laughs> call him Ziploc. Jeez. Yeah. Wow. Did you guys kill anything on that hunt? Uh, yeah, we did later in the week, but that day was done. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> so he just yeah. couldn't get it, couldn't get down that tree, huh? <laughs> no, no. He, and it, yeah, it was, it, um, well, to play a joke at the end of the week, um, you know, we la all laughed about it. Actually, Blake Shelton and Miranda was in camp with us, so we were, we were laughing about it and, and 
Blake is the one that gave him the nickname S Bag. <laughs> so uh, at the end of the week, he had took some. We were sponsored at that time by Hormel and Denny Moore Stew. So he took a can of Denny Moore Stew, poured it in the bag, and he was chasing everybody around camp with Denny Moore Stew in a bag. So. Oh, yeah, it, was, man. it was a very memorable camp. I'm sure Steven's not horrified by that moment whatsoever. <laughs> no, his wife even calls him that. To this day, oh, his man. wife calls him That's that. Great. I can imagine a lot of people going on Facebook searching, searching Steven. Down, <laughs> right he's he's a show. really talented uh, producer and, and, and editor, isn't he? He's, I know Absolutely. his work. He's good. Yeah, he's, he's been in this for a while. Yeah, yeah, funny. <laughs> I don't have anything that can top that. I can't that. top that. I was going to say, I mean, the camera saved a lot of deer's life. Like you mentioned it, but you know, through, through time, you know, it, it just, it always happens where, you know, the angle on the tree is just always so much different for the camera guy or seems to be mm-hmm. than, than the, the hunter most times. So, you know, you could clear every lane that you can think of in the preseason, but it always seems to happen that, they come out in the work, you know, behind you, or you know, they twist you up, or whatever the case may be. It, it got so bad in the early days that Mark and Terry, like one of the things that we do, we we don't film with a tree arm anymore for the cameras, yeah. which most most outfits do. We we you know, Mark and Terry stopped that a long time ago because we just it's say that saved more deer's life than anything. Where yeah. the, the camera guy you know, you get twisted up if you're on that tree arm and they make some pretty good ones now where mm-hmm. where you could really, you know, do just about anything. But back in the day you were pretty limited and, and you get twisted up or if it gets too close to you, you know, you you can't get that camera you know, off the, the, the stand yeah. quick enough and you know that seemed to save a lot of deer lives and, and and it just, you got to do what you got to do. So anymore, we freehand everything. The camera guys freehand everything in the stand. Mm-hmm. And at least, you know, at least Mark's, Terry's, mine, Taylor's, uh, some of the, some of our team members still sure. use the tree arms. But I can think of that one item has saved a lot of lives right, right there by itself. And then, of course, you know, you having a, a clear open lane and the camera guy having a, the one limb going right across, you know, horizontally across wow. his, his his viewfinder. You know, that seems to save a lot of lives, too. It's, I, yeah, mean, I, it's, we, I certainly wish we would adapt the uh, no camera arm. Cause <laughs> it, it's a pain in the butt, man, in a lot yeah. of ways. <laughs> it is. It is. And it's just hard enough to kill a deer, let alone yeah. kill a deer with archery tackle, then add on another person and yep. extra gear and the limitations of the camera it's it's amazing that anyone gets a deer on it, it is and and so it's it's a di- it adds a different complexity to it and i think as um so, and i've heard this from a lot of my friends that don't do it professionally mm-hmm. or, but they like to go with their buddy and film their hunts and they all say the same thing it's like well the challenge is so much more yeah honestly like it's like it's not a challenge enough just to get on one <laughs> but it, it adds so many more complexities that to, to capture it and have that moment to to go back and review and watch and it's probably a little bit easier nowadays with the tacticams and mm-hmm. uh you know what i mean you could attach them and self-film a lot easier than you, than you used to be able to but um yeah. it just th- th- there's a lot that goes into it <laughs> Yeah, and you talk about having a, another person in the tree with you or in the blind. Uh, one of the, one of my buddies that films with me, oftentimes it will drop things out of the stand. <laughs> That's happened. So we get up and we get settled, and then you hear tink, 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 and then leaves crushing below, and you're like, oh, okay, he dropped something else. And so then it's a game of do you get down and fetch whatever it was that felt like, do you need it that bad? 
like a cell phone. I actually have a funny story about that. <laughs> yeah, okay. you want to run with that one? So, so this last fall, we're, we're hunting on my lease, and my cousin Justin Lurk, who so Jared Lurk's the one that most people probably would recognize by name. He's been on the Jury Outdoors team forever. He's on Bow Madness. His, his brother Justin mm-hmm. uh, is also on Bow Madness with him. And so he and I, we're, we're a year apart. We're cousins. We're a year apart. We're neighbors, actually. So we're you know best buddies. So sure. he come out to film me one time and this last fall, and we, it was during the rut. It was a morning hunt. So we get out there. We get sell. First of all, we, we bumped, you know, the, it felt like the entire herd on the way into the stand. <laughs> so I was already kind of fuming, but that wasn't his fault. That was just my stupidity on our access point. <laughs> and so we climb up to the tree. We finally get settled in. And T-Bone, you know how long it takes to put, you know, the, especially if you guys are using tree arms, you know, put everything up and put your, you know, if you use you know, uh, uh, some sort of um, ozone and if yeah. you use, you know, whatever, there's like a thousand things you got to put out in times two. And so we get settled and usually you're sweating by that point and we just sit down and, you know, that's when you take off your, your hat and you find like, ah, I'm settled. Mm-hmm. I'm ready to Game go. On. All of a sudden I heard it, you know, just what you explained it, boop, 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 it drops, you know, hit everything on the way down, made a loud enough noise by itself. And I said, was that your phone? You know, I look back up and he goes, yep. And I said, well, you're leaving it, you know, because we've already screwed this spot up enough. You're just leaving that thing the rest of the morning here. And uh, not 20 minutes later, all of a sudden, his alarm starts going off. And it wasn't a phone call. It was an alarm. So that thing wasn't stopping. And I look up at him and I go, is that your alarm? He said, yeah, I forgot to t- turn it off. And I was like, good Lord, man. So I, I climbed down there to, to get it, got it, turned it off, climbed all the way back up. And um, not 10 minutes after that, we start hearing something coming through the woods. I thought, oh, man, we're actually going to see something. Here comes a giant cow. Oh, <laughs> I'm like, all right, this is the worst day ever. <laughs> Let's just go home. Like, we so we we sat there against my better judgment. We sat there a little longer, and uh, it was the rut, like I said. So you know, this property is the only place I had to hunt. So we stuck it out, and we kind of jumped around, and literally all day long, stuff like this happened to us. Mm. You know, we were over in a in, in one of my best spots in the timber, and. He, I, he was like, you should rattle. So I go to grab my antlers and the rope that I had tied around them fell off, you know, and it, the, um, the antler fell off into the ground and, and hit everything on the way down. I'm just like, dude, we need to go home. <laughs> this yeah. isn't our day. Yeah. So, so T-Bone, let's say that, that you've got a new camera guy starting with you. And because a, a lot of folks that listen to the show, they like, like Matt said, they like to film their own hunts. And, um, so, so what, what do you tell them? Like, what systems do you have in place for coordinating with them so that you minimize those botched efforts? Um, basically I, um, like when we're with an outfitter or with uh, a camera guy, you know, um, a lot of times, I guess I'm showing my age, you know, the camera guys are a lot younger and sometimes they will be freelance guys and stuff. So they're just getting into the industry and, you know, they're wanting to do a good job and everything. And I try my best to ease their mind and earn each other's trust, you know, Mm -hmm. make sure that we become friends really quick, speed it up, make sure that let them know that, Hey, this is a team effort. You know, it's not your fault if something happens, you know, you do your best, I'll do my best. And then we're going to get this, you know, get this job done. And I make sure that we tell them, you know, don't don't scream out if there's a deer or something like that. We try to do a, you know, tap the stand type thing, tap a shoulder or or, you know, usually the 
the uh, camera guy can hear can hear me because you have a mic on. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. you can whisper to them, but you can't really talk back. So, um, you know, if you can't hear it, don't be afraid to say, you know, like if I'm fixing to shoot and, you, you know, I say, are you on him? You on him? Make sure I hear no. If you if I can't if you can't see it, I'm not allowed to shoot it. So you're directing this whole deal. So you make sure you say no. Don't let me shoot when it's a no shoot situation. Even if you got to say it a little on the loud side, say no. Stop me. You know. So I make sure that we have those ground rules. And, and you know, and and I'm not saying I say it as a, you know, as a tyrant or a mean supervisor, sergeant, boss, nothing like that. I I want I want this to be an enjoyable experience for all of us in a teamwork so that when it does happen you know we're high-fiving and you know we're so yeah. happy and everything and usually the first thing i tell them i was going to tell you all this anyway but when we get into a tree you know they're you know just like you were saying tim that you know it's like you got two people in the tree twice as much scent big and everything like that well you know i, I tell them i said look man the reason i have been what little bit of success i've had in this industry i said i really believe this that a deer walks by and looks up and sees me and the camera guy, and he goes, surely the deer's thinking, surely to God that's not a human in the tree. And, <laughs> and then that, and they put their guard down. <laughs> it's a bear. It's a, it's a, it's a Sasquatch. <laughs> world's largest squirrel's nest. <laughs> T-Bone, do you ever just, if, when they're looking and staring up at you, do you ever just close your eyes and think, now they can't see me, I'm can't invisible? Me. <laughs> yeah. Or is that just me? I, <laughs> I feel like I've tried every tactic, man. I, I swear. I mean, you, you almost want to just jump up and down and, and, you know, like to heck with it. I know they're going to bolt. I'm drawing back and letting them have it. So you, yeah. you, you try everything. You know, so that, that brings up a question I've been, I, I haven't really thought about asking other people, but I want to. I heard at one point that it's best not to look a deer in the eyes. I don't. I, because, I think that's okay, right. Okay. So, so I'm, I'm not insane. T-Bone, have you heard anything along those lines? Well, I mean, I mean, I've heard people say that just because of the, the, the uh, you know, like I mean, instinctive. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. But, um, I mean, I, I, I guess I'm so focused on right behind that shoulder. I'm not looking in their eyes. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah. yeah. But it, 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 it's a weird thing because I just, I find myself averting their eyes. Like, don't make eye contact. Don't make the play cool. Well, if you're, if you're not moving at all, but you're blinking and they're looking at you, I mean, that would be the thought, like you're still moving. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? That's the way I always thought about it, whether that's right or wrong. I don't know. But if you're blinking or I just always just close my eyes or kind of squint to see if they're staring at me mm -hmm. still. And if they quit staring, <laughs> then I get to get What's to work. Dude squinting at up there in the tree. <laughs> that guy of, needs glasses. <laughs> There are a lot of questions I'd, I'd I have kind of ready for God someday when I get to heaven about deer hunting that would just because we'll never know in this life. Well, that would be the guy to ask for sure. <laughs> mm, yeah. So so kind of back to my, <laughs> my my original point about people dropping things out of trees. Um, <laughs> there there kind of comes a time where it's like, do I go down and get it, or do I play the fishing game with my haul line? And I've gotten like I'm probably a, I, like in terms of angling, I'm probably better at picking backlashes out of my bait caster than I am actually catching fish and getting unsnagged. And I think I'm probably better at hooking things from my tree stand that are on the ground than I am a deer hunter. I'm sure they make a product for that, right? <laughs> Somebody yeah. thought of that product Someone somewhere. Has to. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've seen them before. It's just a grapple. And then as it contacts, as it contacts something, like if that's the, the object, it touches it and it closes. So 
Um, I'm not saying it would work on everything, but it it's certainly does help pass the time trying to grapple up your cell phone or rattling horn. So basically, it's like that kid's game in every <laughs> you know, restaurant that you don't want to go to. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> right. Well, Which, I suck at that, too. So yeah, I no, me too. <laughs> I spent a lot of money on those things. <laughs> Well, T-Bone, you are also associated with uh, with Whitetails Unlimited. Do you want to tell folks a little bit about what you do with them, what they do? Yeah, I've been fortunate. Uh, um, I just signed on for two more years with them. Uh, um, I've been with them for seven years as the national spokesperson. And uh, Whitetails Unlimited is the largest and it is the oldest whitetail conservation group in the country, established in 1982. They're out of Wisconsin. And it's more than just whitetail conservation. It's preserving our hunting heritage and, and of course protecting our second amendment rights and uh i can tell you that um i've i've been really really pleased with all the initiatives and and uh the everybody at team drury has been involved too the uh catch a dream program with the dream sheds i've i've been to a lot of banquets um and if folks are listening are not familiar with what i'm talking about mark and terry and 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 the guys on team drury have donated their sheds from their farms in iowa and missouri autographed them letter of authenticity and we auction those off, and 100% of the money that is raised at the events goes right to Catch a Dream. And we all know, uh, you know, if you follow the the Drury shows, how um, you know awesome and and just inspiring the the stories are from Catch a Dream. Catch a Dream was formed in Mississippi, and they grant uh, terminally ill kids and family members their dreams uh, in the outdoors, whether it be fishing, whether it be uh, a hunting excursion. And there's been so many of those documented on the Drury shows. So. That has been a fantastic program. I'm sorry I don't have a number wrote down, but I'm thinking we're probably over the three or four or five years that that program's been going, we're over the half million dollar mark that has been raised off of deer sheds. Correct. Now you tell me what a uh, a great renewable resource that has turned into dream hunts. That is the the perfect thing. So you know, hats off to Mark and Terry and everybody over at Drury's for for doing that and incorporated with Whitetails Unlimited to facilitate that through their 650 banquets that are all across wow. the, the country each year. So, yeah, I'm, I'm very proud to be a part of that organization. And if you have a, a an event that shows up in your area, I encourage you to go and, and just check it out. You win lots of prizes, have a good time. It's kind of a win-win-win. A lot of good is done for uh, all things outdoors that we love. It's just a cool, it's a very cool organization. And those events are actually, I mean, it's always a packed house. It, it's a very fun night. You know what I mean? And yes. you're, you're raising money for a good cause and, and they're putting the money to good use. And, and, yeah. uh, it's the, the, the folks at Whitetails Unlimited do a hell of a job. And, and honestly, they couldn't have a better spokesperson. So we appreciate you all that, that you do for them, buddy. Well, I appreciate it. it it's my pleasure. We, I get to do it probably around 40 uh, events a year all across the country. I'm spread out in a lot of the different states and stuff, but they do about 650 a year and a lot of money's raised. And 50% of every net dollar on uh, grassroots events stays right in the community. So it's not just a national thing where all the money's raised and it goes straight to a Wisconsin. No, 50% of the net dollars for that chapter stays right there in community for uh, archery and schools program, any outdoor related item that that chapter wants to spend it on, 50% of that money stays right there. So that's that's, that's awesome. another great thing. Pretty yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and hopefully folks realize, because I, I know a lot of folks in the hunting community tend to be lone wolves. So we kind of do our own thing. We're independent and not necessarily associate with larger groups. Um, but but there are there are folks out there who are organizing to erode our hunting rights. 
and our hunting heritage. And unless yep. we organize and kind of form this collective group, and, and sure there may be disagreements among us, but that's fine. Every family has has its conflict, but we have to come together around these really these sacred components of hunting and our Second Amendment rights. Otherwise, there are people out there that are actively working to take those away. So, so I, I thank you, T Bone, just like Matt, because I, you're such you're such a great guy. You have such a great personality, and people like well, great. Even if they don't agree with us. They can't hate you <laughs> because you, you, you're, too, you're too nice and too winsome of a guy. So we need that in, in our in our kind of community uh, front facing the rest of the public. Just a good spokesperson in general. Exactly. So. Yeah. Well, thank you for the kind words. Let me know where I mail the check for the kind compliments. <laughs> <laughs> so before we leave, uh, in any parting thoughts that you might have, or messages that you want to get out, or, or things you want to plug before we before we sign off. Yeah, actually, uh, well, I got two things. First thing is, is I want everybody out there, you know, we're down two and a half million uh, licensed hunter across the, mm-hmm. the country. You know, a lot of people say the industry's down a little bit and they're saying it's because of the economy or anything. Well, the economy's on a turn up, but, um, you know, if you take away two and a half million consumers or uh, potential uh, customers, well, you know, you're, you're it's going to be down. So hunting is down. You know, there's so many distractions with you know, kids and electronics and, you know, phones and all kinds of video games and such like that. It's kind of hard to keep their interest. Um, I just encourage everybody out there who is a hunter to not only take a kid hunting, that is very, very important, but just invite someone, let's say your neighbors, you know, he, he leans over the fence and he's watching you clean that deer, you know, rather than being all, you know, all Heidi and, and, you know, and, and secretive of it, invite him over share a beverage with him, explain to him all the great things that go into being an outdoorsman and all the fun times. It's way more than just, you know, pulling the trigger on a critter. It's, it's the, the whole 365 days a year, everything that we love about hunting, the camaraderie, the fellowship, the shopping before the hunt, the, the <laughs> shooting your bow in the backyard, experience all that. Make sure that we show hunting in a positive light, wear your camouflage when you're on the uh, plane, make sure that you're representing hunting and outdoors. And let's try to get those numbers turned around. If everybody that was a licensed hunter introduced one other person that was a non-hunter or someone that hasn't hunted yet, whether it be a kid, a woman, uh, uh, your neighbor, um, we're going to turn those numbers around. So uh, one, we've got a little bit more weight on our shoulders because we have such a voice social media wise and in the public eye and all and believe me we're doing what we need to do but if everybody out there you know whether you're at your job or whatever would try to help turn those numbers around um it sure would be great for the outdoors and great for the sport so uh i I just want to tell everybody to shine it in a a certain light amen totally agree yeah Yeah. all right yep i appreciate you buddy i got hey i got one more thing i want to end on this note right here I don't know if you know about this or not, Matt, but I'm going to bring this up. Mark and Terry certainly do. Long before Bone Collector, I owned a shop. I had a shop, and I was in uh, at the ATA show, which is the Archery Trade Association show, and they had a giveaway. And uh, I know what you're going I with happened, this. I know, and I happened to win it. So I, I've, I've treasured this for years, and I have never cashed it in. So I hope everybody can see that right there, the great ATA giveaway. And uh, this is a prize redemption certificate. Uh, for a hunt on the Drury Farms, and so I—I wow. I mean, it doesn't have an expiration. You can look on the back; it doesn't have an expiration. So you, I want you to know, as you, you and Taylor are coming up through the ranks, I'm waiting to see the perfect trail cam pictures on social media, and I'm going to catch it. Cash it in. in. Wow, that's long ball, there, yeah, man. So, Holy so right. when he won that, it was for Dad's farm, and Dad could not be more excited. I mean, that we we you know what you. 
don't see on, on the TV shows. And of course we have different camos, different bows, different, yeah. you know, just, we don't align in, in, in hardly any ways, but we're all friends, you know, <laughs> and, and the guys over at Bone Collector have been so good to us over the years and such good friends. And dad was super excited. And, you know, he kind of thought what, you know, all those sponsorships aside, who cares about that? Sure. Like come in and he, you know, he, he got set up and ready for T-bone and, and at the time it just didn't work. Dates didn't work out and all that. But I guarantee you, <laughs> if, if you said, Terry, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to bind this year. Can I can, you, you could redeem that anytime, buddy. <laughs> he would have you and Mark or any of us for that matter. We love you guys. Oh, I know it, man. I, I hope at some point we all get to share camp together, even if it's in a neutral ground or, it don't even it it could be on a a Florida whitetail hunt. It, it I don't yeah. think it's about the deer. It's just about sharing camp. But I'm gonna treasure this. I'm surprised I haven't actually put it in a frame yet. But I'm gonna keep that forever. That's <laughs> awesome. awesome. The, you can't frame it yet because at some point you gotta use it. Yeah. You gotta come and it needs to go next to the picture of you and a big buck with with Mark and Terry behind it. Right, there you, Mark go. and Terry. That's what we need. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I bring it up about once a year to Mark and Terry. I bring that up and, and it's just an ongoing inside joke between us. So it's always a lot of fun. Yeah. That's awesome, buddy. I, well, one yeah. of these days it's going to happen. Yep. Absolutely. Cool. Well, Travis T-Bone Turner, thank you for joining us on the 100% Wild Podcast. If folks want to get this show, go to, uh, you can check it out on YouTube on DOD TV. You can find it on our website, dreoutdoors.com slash podcast. And any place where you would normally find podcasts, you will find the show. And of course, if you want to leave a question for the question of the day, you go to that same spot, dreoutdoors.com slash podcast, and you can leave the any question for us just by using your smartphone or your computer. Uh, and then, um, of course, always check out social media, Dury Outdoors, and we've got a, a couple special things coming down the pipeline here. Of course, DeerCast, we've started to promote quite a bit more. It's going to be, uh, I think it's going to be a game changer for, for us here at Drury Outdoors, and we're excited to bring that to our audience. So uh, if you want to sign up ahead of time and kind of be the first in line, so to speak, uh, go to DeerCast.com, and uh, it'll allow you to sign up for uh, email notification on, on when, when it's live, and yeah. Uh, we look forward to the feedback on that. Be a deer, a deer cast insider. That's right. So, <laughs> T Bone, we appreciate everything, man. <laughs> Wish you the best of luck this fall. Safe hunting as always and safe traveling. And uh, look forward to sharing a, uh, a beverage with you sometime soon. Sounds good, guys. I appreciate y'all uh, having me on and, and keep doing what you're doing, man. Great things over there in the great state of Missouri and Iowa. All right, buddy. All Thank right. you. Well, let's shut this thing down. All right. Peace.